Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reshot, score! 3 nothing. Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports, with Reed Wilkins, on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chet. Hey, how you doing? It is six minutes after six o'clock, and we are back on the air. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Reed will be back tomorrow. Big show tomorrow night. It's the CFL Canadian College Draft, and Reed will be down at Commonwealth Stadium for all of the reaction, the post-draft reaction. The Eskimos are picking eighth overall. So it's supposed to be a top-heavy draft, so there's going to be a good player available at number eight for the Edmonton Eskimos. Will they make a trade? Will they trade up? Will they trade out of the first round? We'll see. No picks in the third and fourth rounds. Have a pick late in the second round. Uh, that'll all be sorted out tomorrow. You'll hear from general manager Ed Hervey, head coach Jason Moss tomorrow. Morley Scott will be down, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos. So Reed will be back tomorrow. I am sitting in the big chair tonight. we got lots to talk about. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk more about uh, the CFL. We'll talk more about uh, a great road trip that the... Uh, a couple of members of the Eskimos, well, Len Rhodes and Sean White, who we'll have later on the show, and Ryan King, uh, a chance to go overseas and, and hang out with the Canadian forces and some celebrities, some NHL alumni, uh, you know, a well-known TSN uh, sports anchor that, you know, Sean White has a big crush on. We'll, we'll bug him about that. <laughs> also, we're going to be joined by Patrick Russell, uh, all the way from Thailand. Well, we hope this will happen. Uh, we're trying to set this up still. Uh, we're pretty confident it'll happen. I'm not sure what time it is in Thailand, uh, but we'll talk with pra- Patrick Russell. Who's Patrick Russell? One of the two college players that the Oilers signed. The other is uh, Derek Kajula, who was, and Kajula is one of the, uh, I, I think he's being touted as the biggest uh, college signee or uh, prospect uh, this year. So the Oilers got him. They also got Patrick Russell as well. So we'll talk with him. We'll uh, talk with Bob Stoffer at the bottom of the hour to find out what does this all mean and what could this mean? How, th- could this have a ripple effect of what Peter Shirelli does at the number four position in the draft coming up in Buffalo? So we'll find out. Also, we'll talk a little bit of soccer as well. More about a soccer commentator. A well-known name in this country is uh, hanging it up on September the 10th. That's Jerry Dobson of Sportsnet. So we got that. Lots to uh, get to. Kellen Kennedy is a, across the glass from me. Haven't been in this position for a while. Hey, Kellen. How you doing, Dave? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Are you good. getting settled in the big chair? 
Yeah, settle in the big chair. I can't remember the last time I uh, I hosted a show. It's been it's been a while. It was last year sometime, I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I've done a show this calendar year. Yeah. Uh, the last time Reed was away, I didn't do shows because my wife was very mm-hmm. near we had, uh, ready to give birth. We had Brendan Ulrich in for a while doing shows. And That's he right. Was spectacular and. And you know, like I say, I was scheduled to do shows last week, but we know what happened, and yep. uh, had no problem, obviously taking uh, taking. You know, a backseat to what was going on. So Absolutely, uh, it's yeah. good to be back on the air, buddy. Yeah, we'll for up, sure. We'll update some things uh, tonight. Raptors game four in Miami. I have a chance to go up three games to one against the Miami Heat. We got hockey tonight. The Western Conference Final could be solved. Could be, could be. Uh, the picture could be clear tonight, folks. Game six in St. Louis blues up three games to two to the Dallas Stars. In Nashville, the Predators, they're trying to stay alive and force a game seven. They're down three games to two to the uh, San Jose Sharks. The Jays in action later on tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> Why do I say that? Their bullpen. Oh. oh. Is there any way to avoid their bullpen? No, there isn't, unfortunately. What do you do? So we're back on the air. Last show that we had, and by the way, you can text in at 630-630. You can also call in at 780-496-0063. When we got time to take a call, we will. Uh, but this is the first show in a week. Uh, last show was last Monday. Uh, we were scheduled to go on the air as planned on Tuesday. And it was probably around 3.30 when things really started to get uh, really scary and really, really serious up in Fort McMurray with uh, with the fires, the wildfires that just turned really nasty. And I remember around 4 o'clock turning to Reed, who sits beside me in what we call the bullpen. And, and that's where, you know, the sports guys hang out. And, uh, and do our work and do our thing. And I said to him, I don't know if we're going to have a show tonight, pal. And he's like, well, let's just wait. Let's just wait. And then about an hour later, we got the call from Sid Smith, our, our program director, and he said, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. So, And we uh, continued with live coverage basically all through the week and all through the weekend. And now we're here. Got the word yesterday from Sid uh, late in the afternoon saying the plan was to do an inside sports, plan was to do an Oilers now today, and continue with uh, extensive coverage during our uh, regular shows in the morning with Ryan Jesperson and in the afternoon with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross and uh, continuing at, at night with Dan Riendo after this show. Uh, i got to tell you, first of all, I'm so impressed with the crew that we have here. I work with a talented crew in our news department, and I'm, I'm very blessed. You know, our, our sports department is, uh, you know, we got four or five of us here, and it's, it's you know, we have our own little... You know, we, sometimes we live in our own little world. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of times I don't really know what's going on in the news world because I'm so focused in the sports world. You could not ignore what was happening last week. And this radio station, along with our partners, our iNews 880 and, and Fresh Radio and Kissing Country 103.9, the work that they did and the work that you did. I mean, for example, the Feed the Fort campaign. So far, and this is going to rise, um, we... You donated, you helped donate over 170, actually almost 172,000 pounds of food, and that number is going to go up. Checks and gift cards so far given to the Edmonton Food Bank, almost 1,800. And again, that number is going to rise, because that is not the final number. Uh, 
got to give props to our friends over at Global News as well. They did a great job. Um, brothers and sisters over there, way to go. I'll talk about an event they're having tomorrow that you can support. Um, but, you know, it's hard to put into words how you feel when you see something like that. You know, and I got the chance to spend a few days in Fort McMurray last year because the Eskimos were displaced. The FIFA Women's World Cup was in Edmonton. So the Eskimos had their entire training camp in Spruce Grove. They had to play uh, two preseason games away from Commonwealth. Their actual home game was in Fort McMurray for a northern kickoff against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 13,000 people there. It was a pretty good night for, you know, for a preseason game. You know how preseason games can be. <laughs> preseason games can be tough, let me tell you that. But that was actually a fun night. And then uh, we were there again. Uh, the Eskimos were there kicking off their season against the Argos, which was their home opener uh, in front of uh, a very sparse crowd at Shell Place. But we were there. Um, you know, my impressions of Fort McMurray is at the time was, you know, you could tell, you could tell that city had really grown. And I've heard stories about Fort McMurray. I've never been up there until last year, but you've heard stories about the boom time. You definitely saw the results of the boom time, but you definitely saw that that was a struggling, struggling city, you know, and it was great that uh, the Eskimos and the CFL were there. They, they were very excited, especially with that preseason game. Uh, that city really came together for that. Second time around, not so much, but there's reasons for that, but we won't talk about that now. Um, so th these tra this tragedy happens, and this isn't, you know, they, they've taken a few hits too before this in the last year, uh, but nothing like this, nothing like this at all. So this reaches everybody. When the first people I contacted was Chris O'Leary, who's going to be on this show tomorrow night on Inside Sports uh, with Reed Wilkins when Reed's back in the big chair. But Chris O'Leary, friend of mine, uh, covered the Eskimos for a few seasons for the Edmonton Journal. He's from Fort McMurray. So I made sure I texted him to make sure his family was okay. Because um, when you hear there's residences burning down like I don't have enough knowledge of Fort McMurray of where everything is so when I hear Beacon Hill is on fire I don't know if that's you know Chris O'Leary's parents or his his brother or his sister or whatever right so how is your family Chris family's good it's on the north side the fire's on the south side they haven't been evacuated. Then he texted me a short time later. Now everyone's been evacuated. Everyone's on their way to Edmonton. They're fine. They're good. Um, and, and you heard what the Premier said, what Rachel Notley said, probably not going home. Uh, residents are not going home until probably at least two weeks. So they're good. So that's the personal connection I can give to that. So there you go. Um, the sporting world really stepped up. And it, it, it's, it's amazing how... When stories like this happen, when tragedies like this happen, how nonpartisan we are in politics. You know, you look at Justin Trudeau crossing the floor and giving a hug to the Conservative Party leader, Rona Ambrose, for example. Sports, we know sports is competitive, politics is competitive. But from a sporting perspective, so impressed of how much the sporting world came to the aid of Fort McMurray. So I, jot, I jotted a few things down here with my messy writing, but here's, here's, a, here's a small sample size of what happened. 
last week with the with the donations to the Red Cross in support of Fort McMurray um, relief. Hundred thousand dollars donated by each the Oilers, the Flames, and the Jets. Nine CFL teams contributing fifty thousand dollars to relief efforts. The Eskimos alumni donate ten thousand dollars. The Eskimos donate twenty five hundred dollars to the Edmonton Humane Society Disaster Relief Fund. Uh, Thursday's a big day in the CFL, because that's when the, the new merchandise line, the jersey reveals for all 19, uh, take place. But all new CFL merchandise, uh, and this is the line from Adidas, will be released Thursday. Uh, proceeds or profits will be going towards the Red Cross. Uh, if you buy your merchandise online, Thursday only, at cfl.ca, the St. Louis Blues 50-50 raffle for game number, can't remember if it was game three or four. Do you remember, Kellen? Game three or four? Can't game remember. three, I think. Game three. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Game three. Uh, $25,000 was raised for um, Fort McMurray. And Scotty Upshaw is from Fort McMurray. He's one of the Blues. He's, he's a, a winger for the Blues. And Scotty Upshaw played two years in Fort Mac with the Oil Barons in 99 and 2000 before he went to the Western Hockey League. And in the golf world, Graham Dillette, who's from Saskatchewan, also another Canadian, Adam Hadawin, they said, you know what we're going to do? We are going to donate 500 bucks for every birdie putt we sink at the Wells Fargo Classic in Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't do the entire totals, partly because I was lazy at the time. Might as well be vulnerable here, folks. Uh, but it's well over $20,000. I believe it's around, final total is about $22,000, $23,000. So there you go. The, the sporting world definitely stepped up. A lot of people stepped up. Government stepped up. So many people stepped up. You stepped up by helping to feed the fort with our campaign. So um, sports definitely took a back seat last week, as it should have. I also think sports has some healing properties to it. And sports is a nice, healthy distraction. You get to see triumphs, you, get, you definitely see disappointments, but it puts everything in perspective. Sports is fun when you compare it to what happened in Fort McMurray. That's real life. Sports, yeah, there's people, their livelihood, their livelihood depends on it, right? But when you're involved in it, and I've talked to enough players to say, I'll tell you what pressure is. Pressure's taking care of your kids, and uh, pressure is, uh, you know, making sure your family's taken care of, and you know, making sure your bills are paid, and some athletes have, you know, have easier time than others. I'm more talking from a CFL perspective, I think. Um, but sports has a definite healing power to it. So, so glad that I'm honored that I, I get to do the first show. Sorry, Reed, but I'm honored I get to do the first show after uh, what happened last week in Fort McMurray. We still continue to cover it. Things could change. You never know what could happen. If it does, and hopefully the change is for the better. But if it does take a turn, if things really dramatically, you know, all of a sudden, you do, you know, I mean, heck, thank goodness this week it's a cooler week. But you know what I'm saying here, and Andrew Gross talked about it before uh, the afternoon news went off the air uh, today uh, for, for their show. And, you know, he said, if anything breaks, we'll break in. And that's what we will do, because that's what we're here for. But we're happy to be talking sports. It is 6.20. We got a goal in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, but we'll tell you, and we will reset here, and we'll uh, let you know we got a phone call on the line as well. But uh, we're here. It's a Monday evening edition of 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. Campbell in for Wilkins. 
your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 624, just when you think you have the series between St. Louis and Dallas figured out, they change the variables on you. Uh, Stars up 2-0 early in the first period of play. Goals from Matthias Janmark, his uh, second of the playoffs. Vernon Fiddler, his first of the playoffs still to come tonight. Game six, second round series in the Western Conference in Nashville. Predators trying to force a game seven. They're taking on the San Jose Sharks. Let's go to the phones right now and bring in Jim. Jim, how you doing? Dave, uh, a great comment, uh, your opening remarks. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Dave, a couple of questions of the Oilers. Now, we have a fourth round or pardon me, the first, the fourth pick. Now, the defenseman that wants to leave the Islanders, Hamannick, would he would he um, help us? I think he for sure would help. Okay, but would he be the the guy that we were we're actually looking for? Uh, well, I think he'd be one of the pieces that the Oilers would be looking for. You know, okay, I, think, I, I don't think it's one defenseman, but I think it's you know probably a couple of defensemen the Oilers would like, and I think he probably would fit the bill. Okay, the reason I'm going with this is there is, they say with the fourth pick, the Oilers have the defenseman that's out there is in the Ontario Hockey League, I believe it is, six foot two, uh, and ready NHL made. You know who that would be? Matthew Kachuk. Could be. Yeah. Is that something you would keep the fourth round or the fourth pick for? Well, I think it's, uh, and we'll talk with Bob Stoffer about this after the news at 6.30, but, uh, you know, Peter Shirelli, we'll hear his comments as well. It's it's not just a easy decision to trade or keep that pick because you know there's there's the thought that a player like a Matthew Kachuk is NHL ready there's thought there's a couple of other players that could be NHL ready uh, but it's also a pick that other teams may covet and they might be willing to give up something for for that pick and something of quality now you don't know here here's the thing Jim you won't know the answer to that question Peter Shirelli probably won't know the answer to that question until probably around after the third pick has been selected at the draft. I mean, that's I, I, I believe it'll go that far. So, okay. you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's not an easy decision because, you know, yeah, I mean, the disappointment of not being in the top three, it's, it's huge. It's, it, you know, because Austin Matthews, Jesse Pugliarvi, and Patrick Laine can play right away. You know, but number four yep. is not a bad place to be as well. But you're in kind of that, you know, and then that uh, in between zone. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens at the eleventh hour at the draft. You see, Dave, I'm not disappointed with the fourth pick because I think we got pretty lucky last year. We went from third to first. So if we go from second to fourth, I mean, it's, it's just how it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I think uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans are understanding of that. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'll take the guy we got last year or over anybody they have this year. All right, Jim. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of Oilers fans would agree with you. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the call. Okay. Take care. And we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the uh, about the draft coming up and the couple of players that the Oilers signed today. One in Derek Kajula, who was uh, touted as the best prospect in the NCAA this year. And Patrick Russell, who has a great story. He's a forward, big forward. Kajula is kind of one of those feisty smaller forwards. We'll talk with Bob Stoffer after the news at 6.30. News is next from the 6.30 to 24-hour news center with Morgan Smith. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment.
This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Welcome back to the show. Still two zip stars over the Blues. They are midway through the first period of play. Stanley Cup playoff action. Oh, by the way, World Hockey Championships today. Eight zip the Canadians over Belarus. I said Derek Kajula. It's Drake Kajula. Yes. I got it. I got it, folks. So the person who called me, uh, no, what do you say? I'm crashing and burning? Probably true. Uh, yes, it's Drake, Drake Kajula and Patrick Russell. So there you go. Two-year entry-level contracts for both. To uh, make sense of it all, let's bring in Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now, analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. Hey, Bob. Dave, first of all, I'm surprised that you don't have your own separate bumper done by Darius Bowman uh, for <laughs> special guest host Dave Campbell. I always wondered that myself, but, you know, hey, we'll just, we'll just you know, I'll, I'll take what the defense gives me. Oh, don't be that guy. No, well, you know, hey. You, you got to impose. You got to impose your will on the defense. Help me take with the defense, kiss me, guy. You don't so like you game. Guy, we, you, we, you don't like game managers. No, no <laughs> that. Uh, and we've had hockey coaches here that have been game managers, and we've certainly had football coaches that were uh, game managers as well. And uh, I've had animated discussions with both. And it, I mean, really, <laughs> in hockey, it comes down to one. You know, from a coaching perspective, do you coach to score the next goal, or do you coach to have the next, you know stop the next goal from being scored? And anytime you hear a hesitation in a coach's uh, response to that question, the true answer is he's a defensive coach. He just doesn't want to admit it's a defensive. He's a defensive coach because, of course. You know, today's player wants to be enthralled and uh, mm-hmm. uh, engaged and, and attack and go for the will and, and, and score goals. So it's, uh, it, it's, a funny, uh, it's a funny that you ended up bringing that up. Yeah, well, you know, funny how these things uh, work out. So uh, you were back on the air today as well uh, for the first time in a week. So, or, mm-hmm. so that's, that was good to see. Uh, so Oilers signing a couple of uh, college prospects, one that was really highly touted, uh, that would be De- uh, Drake Kajula, uh, signs a two-year entry-level contract out of the University of North Dakota, and Patrick Russell, who uh, also signs a two-year entry-level contract out of St. Cloud State. Uh, first of all, uh, contrast in, I guess, you, when you look at the size of these two players, Russell definitely the bigger player, but both players seem to play with the same sort of uh, jam in their game. Is that is that the best way to put it? Well, I've only seen... Kajula on TV twice. Uh, we were down uh, in Los Angeles at the end of the regular season, and uh, the uh, you know I saw I think uh, around Robin games for the NCAA playoffs that the, the final week of NCAA uh, championship, uh, the the Russell kid saw him play parts of a game. Ironically, St. Cloud played the Alberta Gold year. Um, there's no question that one of the things. I mean, everybody thinks he's isn't. No, we're having trouble with the connection with Bob, so we'll just put him on hold and see if we can uh, reset him in a moment. But uh, yeah, Chris or Chris Russell, Patrick Russell, uh, appeared in 41 games this season with St. Cloud State in the NCAA, uh, posted 41 points, 14 penalty minutes, plus 24 rating, set career highs and goals with 20 assists and 21 and points with 41 in his second season with the Huskies. Uh, Kajula, 
Uh, I mentioned the size difference. Kajula is 5'10", 185 pounds, and Russell is 6'1", 205 pounds. Uh, but 25 goals, 26 assists as a senior this year for Kajula at the University of North Dakota. Finished second in team scoring behind the Canucks, uh, Canucks prospect, uh, Brock Bozer. And an assistant captain with the team has good leadership, character qualities, and competitiveness as well. All of those things are big ups, I'm sure, if you are reading the scouting report. So let's bring back uh, Bob Stoffer. Hopefully we got the better connection. Uh, Bob, uh, thank you very much for uh, calling us back here. And uh, uh, continue your point on uh, both individuals. Well, I think, you know, it's pretty clear Peter Shirelli wants competitive players. It doesn't matter what the size is. He wants to, I mean... You don't want a big guy that's a dog and doesn't bring it. And, uh, you know, you got to be able to play with some energy and play with some intelligence. And so in Kajula's case, you know, and even uh, Drake himself compared himself to, you know, Zach Parise, I think is a, a high optimal end. Uh, but Brad Marchand, you know, there's a guy that Peter Shirelli has history with in Boston. Actually really emerged this year as a, an elite NHL player. And, and Russell's... Uh, Dave Russell's a little bit more of a project, and uh, I think there's going to be it's going to be interesting for me to see you know where these two guys fit in because I don't think it's set in stone that Kajula starts the year in Edmonton. Uh, I'd say it's highly unlikely that Russell is in Edmonton for the first half of the year, but there's an opportunity for them to both carve out a niche for themselves, and it's also a reflection, Dave, that uh, the Oilers have failed in certain regards in terms of some of their second round picks. Um, from an Edmonton perspective, landing Kajula, and I know the fans' immediate response is, well, you know, we heard how great Justin Schultz was and it didn't work out in Edmonton, and Mike Johnson was in the show today to say there's just so much turnover in Edmonton in the management and coaching position. You can extend this metaphor with your time with the Eskimos. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have guys that, you know, you're really happy to get, and two coaches later, you know, there's not that same sort of energy level for that player. But in this case, because we know that Peter Shirelli and, and Tom McClellan are going to be the GM coach tandem for a few years here. I think it does bode well for Kajula. So both guys are smart. Uh, both guys play a competitive game. Uh, obviously, Russell's bigger, but not quite as skilled as Kajula is. And it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes them to tra- uh, transition uh, their way into the Oilers lineup. It also seems to continue the, you know, the 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 process of how Peter Shirelli and Tom McClellan want their team to look like. And we saw, uh, you know, you go back to the trade deadline and, and, you know, getting a Pat Maroon, getting an Adam Party, and, you know, it's it's kind of a different example because they're they're established NHL veterans, but players that definitely give you a, the, the makeup of a, of a tougher team, of a team that can definitely hold their own. And it seems like these two players... Uh, you get two young prospects that kind of fit into that mold, uh, that physical, scrappy type of team that Peter Shirelli wants. Well, you know, and it's interesting, Dave. I mean, I, like I, I played for Stu McGregor, and I think Stu's a pretty smart guy. But something was lost in translation with some of the Oilers' picks. Mm-hmm. And um, the Oilers had a lot of opportunities in the second round. You know, Pitlick 31st in 2010, and he's a restricted free agent, and I think he'll likely get qualified again this year because uh, I do think there's time for some people in the organization for Tyler Pitlick, but they moved on from Curtis Hamilton, who they took 48th overall in, in 2010. They traded Martindale, who they took you know, first pick in the third round at 61st. You look at uh, David Musil 
and he got a cup of coffee in the NHL as a 31st overall pick in 2011. Mitch Moraz, you know, second-round pick in 2012. Uh, he was 32nd that year. Uh, he has had two very pedestrian uh, AHL seasons, and, and there, there is an incompleteness to the games in, in some of the cases for the players. I would not consider Pitlick to, to have elite hockey sense. Um, I'm not, you know, like in Moraz's case, the year after he was drafted by the Oilers, he was still playing on the third line for the Edmonton Oil Kings. And not to tell Derek Laxdell how to do his job, but I would be, at that point, he became a concern, I think, for some people in the Oilers organization. And, mm. and so part of these, you know, going out and adding two players out of the NCAA, um, I, I think is a reflection upon the fact that there's been some misses on the scouting side. And they have to jumpstart uh, building depth in the organization. In terms of the translation and how it compares to Maroon, they got a free one with Maroon, mm-hmm. and it looks pretty good right now. But I, it, it's funny. Somebody said to me, Anaheim does a great job drafting uh, and, but, and acquiring talent, but they haven't always done the best job in terms of trading. You look at what Anaheim did. They got a free player Maroon. There was a situation where there was a fallout between Maroon and the Flyers organization. They had to move them along. And the guy played. <clears throat> excuse me, he played great in the playoffs, but he was never able to elevate and, and maintain that during the course of the regular season. And we need to see him do that next year at Edmonton. So you know, that's Maroon's a little bit different situation, but yeah. definitely, I, I think there's been an effort to add some more size and some more competitiveness to the Oilers lineup and make the team more difficult to play against. Bob Stoffer joining us here on 6:30. Chad Inside Sports, uh, Campbell in for Wilkins in tonight. Uh, Reed will return tomorrow. Uh, you mentioned depth in the organization, and and that's what I thought about right away when I when I saw these two signings, especially with Kajula. Is is you see the depth in the organization, and and you go, oh boy, it's it's not looking good. But do these two signings really improve the the quality that could be in Bakersfield next year? Well, uh, and, you know, we know Peter Shirelli's not done here. You know, like, I think they need another center on their on their big team. Uh, and some might say, well, not if they go with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, but I think they need a bigger body third-line center. And does that push a guy like Anton Lander down to the minors? Well, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's the business, you know. So now you have a different-looking team. I... Um, what I what I didn't what I haven't liked about the HL team for a few years is it seems like a lot of guys that were HL guys that couldn't help a team at the NHL level seem to get the most minutes and I, there has to be greater impetus to play and develop your own guys. But the Oilers do lack depth. They have tremendous high end. I mean, they got the one player. You know, if, <laughs> if you ask thirty general managers, name one player in the league that you want to build your NHL franchise around. The Edmonton Oilers have that player. His name is Connor McDavid. With all due respect to Drew Doughty on defense in Los Angeles. You know, you're talking about a 19-year-old guy who, in a couple of years, is, is going to be the best player in the world. So, they have that. They got a lot of work to do. I, I think there's going to be more movement this summer. I think the others. You know, we had Peter on the show today. He's going to have. He says he's already got four or five uh, discussions around that fourth overall pick. Um, I could see the Oilers looking to accumulate more picks through the the first round, trying to rebuild that whole prospect base. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't preclude them from not making a concerted effort to improve the defense. They got the goalie last summer. Uh, they need to improve the defense and uh, and then continue to grow uh, their their team out from there. 
And we'll play some of the comments uh, from Peter Shirelli on, uh, on Oilers Now earlier today, uh, coming up uh, later on in this half hour. The impression I got, uh, Bob, when Shirelli was talking about the fourth overall pick and is is that pick could be wide open as far as, you know, could he trade it? Could he actually use it? Because there could be a couple of players that are in the next tier below Austin Matthews and Jesse Pugliarvi and Patrick Laine, not in that order, obviously, but but there could be a couple of options below that tier. And he said we're probably we're we're the best here after number after the third overall pick. But there could be a player that could help us. Dave, the draft starts with the Oilers at four. Mm-hmm. Toronto, they're not moving the number one overall pick. They're they're taking Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be a really good player for them. He's going to be Eichel-esque. He's going to be that type of player. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be taking Patrick Laine, and you know I, 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 you know I appreciate Peter's candor and Peter's honesty in that interview, saying that he was disappointed that they didn't get the second or third overall pick because they were going to get an NHL ready-made player. So we know Winnipeg's got the second pick; they're going to take Laine. That's their version of Timo Solani and Yarmo Kaikalainen is the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's finished. So there's no way they're passing on Puliyarvi at three. So that good, the orders are sitting there at four. And Peter specifically discussed three forwards, uh, Keith Tuchuk's son, uh, Matthew Tuchuk, who we're going to see out here uh, with the Memorial Cup. I mean, London's already up 2 nothing in their series in the mm-hmm. OHL final. They've been crushing everybody. So Matthew Tuchuk, uh, you know, a player out of the Quebec League, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Peter also mentioned Jeff Brown's son, Logan Brown, who's a six foot six center. Those are the three forwards, but he did say there's some defensemen as well. And I believe all three... I know a lot of people have got Jake Bean in there from Cal. I know Craig Button's a big fan of Jake Bean's out of Calgary, but I really think that it, there's, you know, I'm a bit of a believer in the OHL these days in terms of that higher caliber that they're producing. And there's three defensemen out of the OHL. There's Jacob Chickman, who fell. He was consensus top three or four pick at the start of the year. Uh, there's a Russian named Mikhail Sergachev playing for Rocky Thompson, and uh, and then there's a guy named Yoel Levy that plays. He's a Finnish defenseman that plays for London. Peter said today that he'd seen Tuchuk play 11 times this year in London. Well, that means he's seen Yoho Levy play 11 times as well. <laughs> so he's been into London a fair amount. I know Peter's been spotted a lot in Windsor, too. Mm-hmm. play. They have Sergeyev and they have Brown. So, you know, I just, you know, it's going to be, I, I think the draft starts with Edmonton at four, and there, I bet you there's teams that got players. If you pull the 38 NHL teams right now on their amateur scouting sides, they might have uh, they might have 30 different rating systems for the players ranked between 4 to 10 in the draft. And to me, this is a little bit akin to how the CFL draft is now. You know, there's because in football you do draft a little bit more by position than you do in hockey. True. Uh, though we're seeing now, you know, the importance of center center and D have always been important, but I think we're seeing that organizations are, you know, in, in, in football, certainly in the NFL draft, you don't draft guards, right? Yep. And you you don't draft safeties in unless they're absolute studs of safeties in the top five. You don't draft kickers in the first round. <laughs> so we're whereas in the CFL draft, it's it you will. <laughs> I think the Eskimos took a kicker one second. Warren Keene, two thousand seven. Yeah. He couldn't punt, if I recall. Was couldn't it, he kick. Could, period. He couldn't kick. Period. <laughs> That was a bad one. I, I had an animated discussion with somebody about that one. one As you uh, should. Yes, you know who I had that discussion with. No, but but I do think that this is a draft. Like usually, there's more of a consensus in the top ten, and and I, I think there's a huge variance. 
And because of that, I believe that the Oilers are totally in the swing position at four to make it exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to be exciting. And the talk leading up to the draft is going to be very exciting. So, uh, And we'll talk about this a few more times, I'm sure you and Reed, uh, from you know, now until June the uh, 24th. So, Bob, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Call any time and say hi to Derek for me. Will do. Will do. <laughs> Will do. Uh, it is uh, 6.49. Oh, by the way, here's what Shirelli talked about uh, earlier today, just more specifically on trading that pick, number four, the possibility of it. Would he... Would he actually consider it? And what are what do you have to consider when you you know when you're thinking about it? Do you keep it? Here's what he said. I look at us like we're the top of the next group. So um, we I've had four or five teams call me already, and I've made it known that we'll look to, to trade down if the right the right deal is there. And and uh, in the context of of just a pure trade down or a trade down with kind of giving up the value on the, the draft numbers, the draft rankings, to uh, uh, in, in, in getting a, a draft pick and an NHL player. So um, we went through a lot of scenarios at the amateur meetings, uh, and you know, that's when you're most creative. Now, ex- executing these things is often hard, but there's some real stuff that could, uh, that could um, come across our desks in the next few weeks. So, um, looking at a lot of stuff, Bob. But like again, four to nine, pretty good, pretty good players. And I'll guarantee you, this will not be decided whether the Oilers keep the pick or trade it until the eleventh hour. It will be made after Columbus selects Jesse Puliarvi, and that's when the Oilers are on the clock. And then we'll see what happens. Then the talk really will heat up. So we'll see what happens. It's 3-0 Dallas. Jason Spezza, his fifth goal of the season. 3-0 Dallas in the first period, late in the first period. So right now it looks like game seven. Yes. Brian yes. Elliott pulled Jake Allen in for the Blues. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that might raise a little bit of uh, goaltending controversy. Heading into Game Seven, although I th- probably think Brian Elliott will start. He's got them this far. Uh, this is f- this is uh, <laughs> if you ever want a more succinct, to the point answer. Who's going to start and go for the Penguins tomorrow in Game Six in Pittsburgh? Penguins up three games to two. Oh my goodness! The Penguins lost in Game Five. Does that mean Mark Andre Fleury is going to play tomorrow? Mike Sullivan says. Matt Murray. There you go. That's it. That's it. Matt Murray. He said a little bit more. We'll play it later. 6.51, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. 6.54, Reed Wilkins will be back tomorrow. Dave Campbell in the big chair for you this evening. NBA action tonight, Game 4, Raptors and Heat. They're tied at 35 in the second quarter. Last I checked, Kyle Lowry was uh, 0 for 4 from the field. Uh, not good. <laughs> He's been doing other things, though. I mean, that's uh, that's been positive. No question about that. Uh, I wonder how many of you are paying attention to the Raptors a little bit more. I mean, it's quite possible they can make it to the Eastern Conference Final and play the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think people would really start to pay attention uh, in that series. So 
There you go. Oh, by the way, I said Matt Murray is going to start in goal tomorrow. Well, actually, I didn't say that. <laughs> Mike Sullivan said that. Matt Murray. There you go. <laughs> uh, but he talked about, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is, uh, is ready. He's available. Recovered from the concussion. It's all good. But Mike Sullivan says Matt Murray's been good too. Matt Murray has, has taken the load here when Mark has been hurt and he's played really well for us. And so, you know, we feel very fortunate that we have three goaltenders that we can rely on and we have relied on to help us get to this point. And, uh, you know, so we're trying to make the best decisions that we can to help this team win given the circumstance surrounding the group. I, you know, I was kind of surprised that it, this was even an issue. Yes, the Penguins lost. Might not have been Matt Murray's best performance in Game 5. But Matt Murray's gotten you this far. Go with him. You know, Jeff, Jeff Zatkoff played the first two games, I believe. And then ever since Matt Murray got in the net, I mean, he's only lost two games. He's been pretty good. So at this point, unless it's an absolute meltdown, you don't need to start Marc-Andre Fleury. You're going good. You're going good with uh, Matt Murray. All right, next half hour, we're going to hear, next hour, we're going to hear uh, more from Drake Kajula. And we're hopefully going to hear from Patrick Russell. And you'll hear more from uh, Peter Shirelli just talking about those two players. If you want to text in at 6.30, 6.30, you can. If you want to call me six, uh, between 7 and 7.30, you can. 780-496-0063. Also talk some football with Sean White after 7.30. But news is next, so let's Let's go there, please. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.